one of the things we knew that sequences in the brain have to be able to do is you have to be able to speed them up and slow them down. Right, yeah. Uh, like I can play melody back faster, I can yep. recognize it faster, I can speak faster and slower. Yeah. So there's only- And it's not different patterns, it's the same pattern. Yeah, it's the same pattern, but you can speed up and slow it down. So um, I, I, it, there had to be a mechanism for that in the brain. And, it, right. and, it, and if you think about it, that mechanism has to apply not to one column of the cortex, it would apply to like, all the columns are doing oh, yeah. that are doing speech, something like that. You're listening to Numenta on Intelligence, our podcast series on how intelligence works in the brain and how to implement it in non-biological systems. In this episode, we're going to take you back to where this podcast started, a conversation with our co-founder, Jeff Hawkins. In fact, for the next few episodes, we're going to try something a little different than the previous few, which featured interviews with neuroscientists. Matt Taylor, our open source community manager, will be bringing you conversations with Jeff or Subhati Ahmad, our VP of research, on a variety of topics. These conversations could cover anything from Jeff's latest research developments that haven't yet been documented, to Subhati's updates on applying our theories to today's machine learning systems. These are casual conversations the kind that happen every day here at Numenta, and we want to share them with you, our listeners. Some of them may get pretty technical, but we'll provide links to resources for further reading. I hope you enjoy these conversations from Numenta on intelligence. So I'm here with Jeff Hawkins in his office. It's early in the morning here at Numenta. It's just me and you, <laughs> and we're going to talk about some speculative thoughts and thinking you have about the thalamus, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, we've chosen. I've chosen uh, uh, to talk about some the thalamus, and I'm going to tell you what it is um, and why we think it's important, and then some new ideas we have about what it might be doing. I think people will be interested, because we we've only, we usually just talk about neocortex, so yeah. it's a little refreshing to go somewhere else in the brain and, yeah. and talk about yeah. that. So let's just uh, paint a picture in your mind. You know, the neocortex is this like big sheet, like a big napkin wrinkled up on top of your brain, and it's only a couple millimeters thick. The thalamus is right in the center of the brain, and, and there's, it's two parts, like everything in the brain, and there's, they're like maybe like the shape of two eggs, two small eggs. Right, one on either in either hemisphere. Yeah, that's right. So we, you know, that's everything. In the brain has got two parts. We don't usually focus on that, but they're doing the same thing, just divided in half. So the thalamus is right in the middle, and um, it has a very a unique relationship to the neocortex. In fact, myself and some other people study the thalamus really don't think you can separate them. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason is, is that when information goes to the neocortex from your eyes, your skin, your or your ears. It always goes through the thalamus. Always sensory information. All sensory information, pretty much, pretty much, almost, yeah, any sensory information. And so the optic nerve doesn't go from the back of the retina. It doesn't go straight to the cortex. It goes to the thalamus, and the thalamus then goes to the cortex. Right. And, and when two regions in the neocortex project to each other, you know, region A to region B or V1 to V2, there's, they primarily do that through the thalamus again. So when it projects to V1, projects to the thalamus, and then the thalamus projects to V2. That there are direct connections between these cortical regions, but there's always one that goes through the thalamus. And since all information goes through the thalamus, it used to be thought that the thalamus was like the gateway to the cortex. Like when you get through this gateway, you're in. But now it's believed that everything that goes between cortical region to cortical region goes through the thalamus. And in that way, you could think of it as 
uh, part of the neocortex. It's, mm. it's, I kind of think of it like an extra layer of cells or extra set of tissue that has been, that's, uh, that's been consolidated down in the center of the brain, but it's almost, in, it's so intimately connected to the neocortex you can't really uh, separate them out. But it is an older part of the brain, right? Uh, I don't know that's true, actually, man. I, I, you know, it's in the sense that it's not neocortex, we often tend to think about everything that's not the neocortex is older part of the brain. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the thalamus existed prior to the neocortex. Really? Uh, I don't know that, <laughs> yeah, so. Um, it probably did in some form, but really, I think if you really want to understand how the neocortex works, ultimately you have to understand how the, what the thalamus is doing. Why so is it there's there? no mammals that we can find that just have a, a I, thalamus and uh, no cortex. Well, no mammals. You know, all mammals have a neocortex. The question is, or there are non-mammals that have a thalamus that don't have a neocortex. I yeah. don't know the answer that way. Yeah. But we can, we can pretty much say right now that the neocortex is intimate and required to have a, uh, the thalamus is required to have uh, a neocortex. So you you can't really separate the two out. Well, definitely the projections show that. Yeah, like that's right. The projections the, show that physically it's separated, but the projections are very intimate. And um, and you and so we've always known that any theory of neocortex is going to have to explain what the thalamus is doing. Um, and the thalamus itself is not super complicated, but it's not super simple either. And I'm gonna break it into two broad categories. Okay. There's one broad category we've just been talking about, which um, are called uh, relay cells. Relay cells. Yeah, so like an axon comes from your eyeball, and it, oh, it synapses in the it, thalamus. It makes a connection to one of these relay cells in the thalamus, and the relay cell in the thalamus goes to the neocortex. And it literally looks like one-to-one. -one. Wow, so just one one stop and then on. That's right, and not even one stop. It, it's, there's very little, con there's not like no convergence in the thalamus. It's like, it's literally like you took a long wire and you cut it in, tw huh. you cut it in half and then you connect it back together. So that's, why do it? That's right, that's a good question. So to call it a relay is a little bit misleading because we know it must be, there's no reason you're not going to have this to do nothing, right? But that's kind of what it looks like. They can say this show in many situations, one-to-one -one corresponds, a spike comes in, a spike comes out. And there's a, uh, the topology or the arrangement of the cells in the retina are preserved in the thalamus and they project to the cortex and they're preserved in the cortex. So one thing is why are there relay cells? The second thing, there's a whole bunch of other cells. And by the way, there's a relay cells, a group of relay cells that go between the, the retina and V1. That's called LGN, lateral nucleus. That's just a bunch of cells in the thalamus. And there's separate ones that go between all the other regions. So right. these are dedicated cells for these relay Right, they're localized to, yeah, to whatever way, to, to whatever that projection is. Right. There's another set of cells in the thalamus which are much more um, diffuse. They project to the cortex and they project very diffusely. So these cells, uh, they go by different names. I prefer the one that sometimes they're called matrix cells. Mm -hmm. um, not referring to the, the movie, but referring to the... Uh, <laughs> the, the structure. Fact, the fact that they're sort of interstitial to these other, they're sort of in the matrix of the thalamus. When you say diffuse, just to define that term, the connection's diffuse, that means right, so, it's not like a direct Yeah, connection. so let's say a relay cell uh -huh. um, from the thalamus, representing the eye, goes to, to V1, and it only goes to a very small part of V1. Right. It only it connects to a few columns, and that's it. But these a diffuse one would go to like all of V1. It projects. Mm. It goes up in the uh, cortex, and it just spreads like a big, you know, banyan right. tree or something like it that. Distributes it distributes across it all the whole thing. So it's not. It can't be sending something very specific because. Right. It goes everywhere. Now, the, the the clever thing about these relays, these matrix cells, is they um, they they look like uh, they, you know there'll there'll be a bunch of them. They, that bunch will project to like all these individual regions, and there's another bunch that project to all the different auditory regions and so on. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the second type of cell. And then there's a third thing that goes on in the thalamus, which is the thalamus sets up these um, uh, rhythms or cycles, like a, you know, like a, a frequency up, uh, between the cortex and the thalamus, right. called gamma frequency. Mm -hmm. So what the hell's going on here? Um, this is an oscillation. That's an right. oscillation, right. yes. I'm sorry, I should use that word, oscillation. So um, we've been wondering about all these things. And also, as we study the neocortex, we have certain functional things we need to get done. We know, mm -hmm. oh, we need to learn sequences. We have to make predictions. We have to do motor behavior and so on, whatever. And we know that some of that's going to be done on the thalamus. So we have like, but we don't know which part. So we say, okay, we've got these functional requirements. We're trying to match them to the neuroscience. We've got this crazy thing called the thalamus, which has these you know, unknown properties, unknown functions, mm -hmm. uh, but we know it's going to be important. And by the way, you know, if you if you don't have a thalamus, you're a vegetable, basically. You know, <laughs> literally, you're just a vegetable. Yeah. So it's an essential organ. Yeah. Um, and um, and so we've been struggling for a long time to figure out what to do with these things. Now, I had a theory for one of these components a long time ago, okay. and I still stick to it. The matrix cells. Okay. And if, if you're a long time Lamenta uh, follower, and you, you might know that I brought this up in both on the forum and I've talked about it in various places. Um, I've been talking about this for many years now. That I had when we came up with the sequence memory algorithm, or even before then, before we figured it out. One of the things we knew that sequences in the brain have to be able to do is you have to be able to speed them up and slow them down. Right. Yeah. Uh, like I can play a melody back faster. I can yep. recognize it faster. I can speak faster and slower. Yeah. So there's always and it's not different patterns. It's the same pattern. Yeah, it's the same pattern, I mean, but you can speed up and slow mm -hmm. it down. So, um, I, I it, there had to be a mechanism for that in the brain. And it, right. and that, and if you think about it, that mechanism has to apply not to one column in the cortex. It would apply to like. All the columns that are doing oh, yeah. that are doing speech, something like that. So yeah. you would want a broad timing signal, mm -hmm. and and everybody and, and so the, the system would have to have some way of sort of setting a time or a time rate for a large area of the cortex. And there aren't too many places that could do this. Right. So the matrix cells. Um, uh, we're very suggestive, their anatomy. Because they're diffuse. Because they're diffuse, right? and because they're not diffuse everywhere. Uh. It's not like it was over the whole neocortex. It would be over like auditory, mm -hmm. visual, or tactile would be separate sets of matrix cells. Right. There are cells that go over the entire cortex that might be for releasing um, neuro... Uh, uh, modulators from the thalamus. No, from other places. From other right? places. You know, like if yeah. you're feeling certain emotions, well, that can be everywhere. Right. But, but this is very specific to. But it's 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 broad, but it's also specific to modality. And also, what happens is that all parts of the neocortex project to the thalamus. These are not. They all project to the thalamus, and then the thalamus projects back. So it's as if all the parts of the cortex could say. Um, I need to tell you how fast to go or slow to go, and everyone we all have to go at the same speed. So I have speculated uh, numerous over over probably 15 years or 20 years that perhaps these matrix cells are involved in timing, mm -hmm. and and every time I go to a conference and I speak to someone who knows something about the thalamus or the matrix cells, and not that many people who do this, uh, I run this by idea by them, and so far I've, I've been encouraged that this is uh, people have said yeah that's a reasonable hypothesis. Oh here's a piece of data which supports it. Uh, for example, uh, certain animals every time they start a movement. There's a there's a, a pulse of activity in these matrix cells, so that would be like starting. The way I think it works, this timer works, is that mm -hmm. you you start like a clock every time you have a note in the melody, and and you can say, okay, from this note, how long do I have to wait till the next note, and then I start the next one, from now the next one, so things like that. Right. So there's some indications that's right. Um, I think you're going to talk to Subutai later 
about some theories we have about the relay cells. I will, and that'll probably be the next podcast after okay. this one. Okay. So I will talk so, to him about we, that. We have a, we are now developing a theory, but the relay cells are doing. So now we've had two sort of theories. One is like what the relay cells are doing is sort of a, um, um, a remapping of these of these relay cells. Okay. Um, and we have a theory about what the matrix cells are doing, which is timing. Mm -hmm. These are speculative, but we, there's some reasons to believe they might be true. And now I'm going to talk to you about a third one. Okay. Uh, and this has to do, again, with sort of timing, but it has to do with those oscillations. Okay. Okay. The gamma frequency oscillations. The gamma oscillations. frequency oscillations. Yeah. All right. Now, we're going to dig a little bit here. If you've been following our work, you know that we think there are grid cells, or grid cell-like cells, in the neocortex everywhere. Right. And they are, this is like a huge discovery, I think, and it's like, it explains how the cortex models the world. It basically creates reference frames for everything. And grid cells, of course, exist in an old part of the brain. That's where they were first discovered in the, in the anterior cortex. And that's for learning maps of the world, like when you're walking around, like, where am I in this office? But now we think the grid cells in the cortex are being used to map things like my coffee cup and, you know, in, in spaces around my body, things like that. So that's a big theory. We published papers on this. And um, now we propose that there's these cells throughout everywhere in the neocortex, every cortical column, there are grid cells, grid cortical grid cells. Right. How do grid cells work? Well, that's still a little bit of a mystery. We know a lot, we as in the broader general neuroscience community, knows a lot about uh, how they behave and how they make maps of the world and so on. There's a tremendous amount of literature on, the, on grid cells. But the exact details of how they do what they do is still uncertain. And one of the leading theories is that grid cells work on oscillations. Okay. So um, if I want to move in the world, and the grid cells are representing my position. Right. right? So what that means is a bunch of cells, and some of them active. And as long as I don't move, those cells stay active for minutes. They're saying, like right now, I can close my eyes. and say, oh, I know I'm in my office, and I know where, am I, and where I am in my office. And if I slide my, tri you know, my chair to the right, I now I'm, I'm in a different place. Right. So those are grid cells. Yeah. That. And um, how do they know to change their activity when I move? Well, one of, the, one of the leading theories is that there's an oscillation in the grid cells. And um, if you speed the oscillation up, it's like movement. It moves, a, it moves a bump of activity of cells. So there's an oscillation going on. And when you change, there's two actually oscillations. And when you change the relative frequency, it is equivalent to moving. So when you move, this theory says that when you move, how do the grid cells change the activity in this very clever way they do it? Right. The way they do it is they, they have these two oscillations and they speed one up and slow it down. It's like a relative frequency. It's like it's, if you know music, it's like you're going, you're two notes, two notes are in tune and then one gets a little flat and one gets a little sharp and you hear this beating frequency. Right, right. But, but that just gives you an up or a down. Uh, yeah, right. but it's more complicated than that. Let's, right. There's also an orientation that tells you which way you're going. Ah. But, but just let's not try to understand this theory about grid cells because it's really complicated and it's it's hard to describe but anyway there's a general there's a lot of clues that say grid cells are dependent on oscillating frequencies and that the change in those frequencies indicates you're moving okay the change of two frequencies indicates you're moving and it can tell you which direction you're moving so this is an ongoing area of research in the entorhinal cortex all right now we're going to back now to grid cells in the neocortex. Okay. Um, and if, what if they work on the same principles? They work on the same principles as oscillations. Well, there is an oscillation frequency set up between the thalamus and the, um, the, the neocortex. These are what they call gamma frequencies. Right. And no one knows what they're for. 
they seem to be related to attention. So when you attend to something like, oh, I'm not just looking at you, and now I'm looking at your nose, or I'm looking at your ear, you know, I'm zooming yeah. in on something. And the thalamus has long been implicated in attention. And the other, and the, what you're going to talk to Subutai about is also yeah. about attention. It seems so, to be in a good location. It is a good location. <laughs> it's sort of like, I'm in the, if there was somebody in control of like, you know, where you're going to look now would be the thalamus, okay? Right. So, um, so uh, one of the things we, I, I, was, I was going through some of our cortical theories recently, and you know, we talk about like the, imagine we talk about the coffee cup and we talk about touching the coffee cup. Yes. And uh, that's what we described in our, our paper last December. And now what if I gave you a, a coffee cup that was smaller, mm-hmm. okay? Um, a lot smaller, half the size. So it's a little child's coffee cup, sure. you know, tea set, right? Shot glass sort of. Well, let's make it a coffee cup still, okay? So I want it to be the same Maybe shot glass size. Set shot glass yeah, size. Okay, yes. Yeah. We, we don't want our kids drinking shot glass. No. <laughs> but but um, imagine it's the same coffee cup, but it's just shrunk down. You know, right. Honey, I shrunk the coffee cup. Right. And you'd look at that. You'd see it's in the mental coffee cup. And you could you could pick it up and use it. I could. Right? And you could make predictions about it. I could. Now, that's a different object, but you see it as the same object. But now think about it. As you manipulate that object, as you, as you grab the handle or move the finger to the other side, you don't have to move your finger as much. Right? If I want to make a... I, everything is like shrunk down. All my movements would be shrunk down. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm looking at it, if I'm moving my eyes to look for different parts of the coffee cup, right. I move my eyes less because because it's half as big, I have to move half as much. If I want to move my finger from the lip of the coffee cup to the handle, I have to move it half as much. Right. Yet, I don't have a problem doing that. It's like I have a model of the coffee cup, and that model is say, hey, I know what this coffee cup is. But today, I've shrunk in the coffee cup, and everything has to be scaled. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. How do you do that? I mean, the way we think about grid centers, we don't really think that's possible. So um, so the idea is the following. This is the idea I had. I said, what if part of the attention, what part of what the thalamus does is establishes these frequencies between the cortex and the thalamus, and what if it could change those frequencies based on scale? Right. So it's scaling movements. It's scaling space. So it's scaling objects too. Yes. Right? So, so the idea. Yes. So this is. So, the idea I had before was that the thalamus matrix cells would be scaling time. Right. And in this case, they'd be scaling sort of space, like, like how far if I move my finger, as I typically do from the coffee cup handle to the lid. Yeah. Today I want to move it. But I wouldn't want it to go half as far because everything is shrunk. Yeah, that's you know light bulb. That makes sense to me, because movement is space. Like that's yeah. how we learn space yes. is through movement. Yes. Well, the whole exactly. So everything, the whole theory that we've got here is that the cortex is this you know basically modeling space using grid cells and play cells and so on, and you learn movements through those spaces. Exactly. Um, and in fact. Um, um, I just wrote the ch- uh, chapter in my new book about this where I was talking about how, how moving through space is that's what you do when you think. Um, you know, you're actually moving through a space. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you and I might have talked about that once. We have. Yeah. I, I think it's a great, uh, absolutely, that's okay. the way I think. So anyway, so, so now this, this is the idea. So now that's as far as I've gone with the idea. I have a couple papers sitting in front of me that, um, that we got from a, a colleague at MIT who studies the thalamus <laughs> about g- gamma frequencies. And um, do you want to mention them? Uh, no, I haven't even read them yet, so okay, I, okay. I don't want to go there yet. Um, sure. 
Um, this is very speculative, this whole thing. You yeah. know, I wouldn't be surprised six months I said, you know, Matt, that was a great idea, but it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I, the more I've been thinking about it, the more I think it's, it's probably right, or in some sense right, yeah. that uh, we, there's a functional need for scaling. I've sort of identified that. Mm -hmm. uh, somehow our models of the world have to be able, you have to be able to scale them under different situations. You have to be able to deform them. Right. Um, part of that is, is the movement you use to interact with those things. Right. And so you have to scale your movements. Yeah. And, and the size of things and the movements are all based on grid cells. And grid cells are based on oscillations. And so if you can change the oscillating frequencies, you would basically, in one fell swoop, change the scale of everything. Right. And now you have this thing in the middle of the brain, the, the, the thalamus, which makes these projections uh, these sets up these oscillations between different parts of the broadly. These are not. These are again broad oscillations between visual system, between auditory system, so on. And therefore, you have a, a system, a, a set of neural tissue, the, the thalamus, which is in a great position to change oscillations, which would change the scale of grid cells throughout that whole area. Yeah. So now that I can just very quickly scale my thinking about any particular object in the same way I could scale my time in a melody. Wow. So, so it could be like, all right, what's the thalamus doing? Well, the thalamus might be um, doing three things that we've identified so far. One is scaling time, speed things up and slow them down in time, like mm -hmm. a melody, or like my speech. I could talk slower. It might be easier if I talk slower. I'm saying the same words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I could talk really fast too. And um, I could scale um, uh, the, um, my movements. I'll give you another example of scaling movements. Like if you write uh, with a pen, you're, so you're, you're writing something with a pen, mm -hmm. and, and you're signing your name or something like that. Well, um, I can sign my name bigger. I can just make more grandiose movements, and I get the same signature. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the same motor command being played out, but I'm just playing it back with more movement, Yeah. Uh, more scale. So so we have these three things going on, we think. We think that the matrix cells might be uh, modify, basically scaling time. Right. Uh, we have these oscillations that are established between the thalamus and the neocortex could be scaling space and movements in those spaces. It's really the same thing. Right. And then, um, and then uh, supersizing I'll talk about later, that the, the, the relay cells, we think, are a way of sort of routing mm -hmm. information, and uh, it might also be related to scaling. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know what he's going to say about that. This is fascinating because it really connects time and space, like right there in the yeah. thalamus. It connects time and space. It's, yeah. it's just fascinating. I, mean, I, I know you like time <laughs> Through and space. Through movement, I, I know right? I you love time and space. I love time and space. I know you do, Matt, and, and, and it's great. I do too, but I know you're really fascinated. But it's, I never really thought about that as like, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, you can think of the, the thalamus as the space-time coordinator, you know, it's like, yeah. um, it's, yeah. uh, or space-time space warping system. Well, there's a lot, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. It's a time warp. I, I've read a lot of people think that if we're experiencing, you know, I, I always, I hate to use this term, but a qualia, a sensation, yeah. like the, the sense yeah. of now being present, that it's probably in the thalamus where that sort of is, originates. Like, well, I wouldn't go there, but, but you might want to go there. I, I, we, yeah. I, think, I think equality has a different meaning than you just said there, but we, it's a very debated term. So what, it, it is. We yeah. can leave that for a future Let's podcast. Let's leave that for a future, future podcast. podcast. That I good. don't know if that's true about that. I mean, it's, I think that the risk of something like that, we all, we, people tend to want to think about, oh, where am I in the brain, right? Right, And right. Um, 
And that's a very slippery slope because then you end up thinking like, well, there's a little, you know, the old humunculus and there's some little person yeah. you know, looking at the look. I never go there. I know, but it, it's like you you're know. still, if you're trying to isolate where you are. Well, you have um, to realize without the neocortex, the thalamus wouldn't work, right? I mean, so you can't well, say really, that's I, just what you need. Yeah, yeah. Just put it this way. I, I don't think, I'm not sure there's a location for those things you're thinking about. But right. It is true that the and the way I think about it now, the thalamus. I actually think the thalamus is part of the neocortex. That's how I think yeah. about it. Uh, I mean, physically, it's not. Physically, right. it's, it's connected yeah. massively, but it's not physically the same tissue. We have to understand it to understand the yeah, cortical I, circuit. Yeah, I just. Right. I, it's it's almost as if um, there was another layer of cells in the neocortex. Right. But but normally that would be spread over this big area, and we wanted this layer of cells to be all brought together in one spot so that we can. We can have we can act on that layer all at once. Right. Um, and where if it was on the if it was on the bottom of the neocortex, there's no there's no connections like all over the place. By bringing all those cells into one spot, now I can say, okay, together we're going to speed up. Together yeah. we're going to stretch time. Right. Together we're going to change stretch our space. It's just space. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. And so you know that's just a, a metaphor of the way to think about it. Um, so like a time warping is similar to space warping in that aspect. It's almost, yeah, you know, and of course we, we know time and space are the same here, some would say, so, so yeah. Um, but here I think they, if these theories are correct, then there are separate cells that do the time warping and the space right. warping, and, and, um, and then there's the relay cells. So that's, um, I think, you know, one of my, I, I think, almost for 40 years I've been bothered by the thalamus, uh, <laughs> because it's one of the first things I, you know, if you start studying the anatomy of the brain, you realize that it's a, it's a structure you can't ignore. Yeah. And it's been a mystery yeah. um, uh, what it does. And there have been um, numerous teams over the years who've written about the thalamus, huge. I have some monstrous books about the thalamus, thousands, probably thousands of papers, at least hundreds <laughs> of papers about the thalamus. And yet, almost nothing about what it actually does and how it might function. Right. And so, there's a lot of you know speculative theories that suggest it's related to attentional mechanisms, but the th you know there was very little data on that. So anyway, I, I feel excited. This is all of a sudden, as just as you were expressing it for the just very recently in the last few months. Um, I mean that it's maybe all coming together. Yeah. I've known about the matrix cells for a long time. But um, what the relay cells are doing, which Subotelli will talk to you about, and what the oscillations might be doing, these are all speculative, but uh, now all of a sudden there's a sort of a cohesive theory about, yeah, it is a tension, but it's also scaling, and it's also um, a scaling space and time, and that's necessary, and it allows us to take what we know about the world and shrink it and expand it and speed it up and slow it down to fit the current situation. Yeah, it's functions we have to be doing somehow. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It's just as simple as just listening to someone speak. You know, there's a model of what a word is, and see, some people speak faster and some people speak slower, and and that model has to be stretched. Right. And so once I start listening to you at a certain rate, then I might be working at that rate for a while, and if you speed up, it quickly adjusts. And right. You can think of it just like a melody, right? If if you were listening to a melody, um, you learned it at one tempo. And now you're hearing at a new tempo. Very quickly, you can catch on to it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but if you if you if every note had its own tempo, then you've lost the melody because then basically the rhythm is lost. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, you can't find the intervals. Yeah, that's right. And, so so you kind of have to. It has to last for a while. You yeah, know? and yeah. then but you can as you're going along, if someone wants to you know change the tempo in the middle of a song, they can do that, and you go, oh, right. it's like a surprise. Oh, look at that. Mm -hmm. It's, it can that, be pleasant. It is pleasant, and that's you know it's the same as changing the key, doing key shift. You can do a tempo shift in the middle of the song. 
Um, what's that song? A little bit slower now, a little bit slower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old, yeah. Okay, so that's basically um, uh, the topic I, that I was going to talk about today. Well, you mentioned a book you were writing. Did you want to say something else about that? Uh, I'm just writing another book, um, and I don't want to say too much about it at this point in time. We could do a whole talk, we could do a whole podcast about that. Well, maybe uh, later then. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it's, you know, it's basically, it's, it's, it's sort of a follow-on on intelligence, but with all the stuff we've learned now about the cortex work, so it's on intelligence more of a, a, a call to like, we should solve how the brain works, we should solve how the neocortex works, it's right. gonna be important for AI, it's gonna be important for a lot of things. Right. Here's some ideas about how it might work. Right. Now we're like, oh, we figured out a lot of it. Yeah. And, um, and let me tell you what it is, and make, let, me, let me sort of go into depth about it, and that's half the book. And the other half of the book is sort of implications of um, what we've learned, right. implications for society. Well, I know a lot of people are looking forward to it, so I'm excited that you're doing it. Yeah, well, just let me remind you that writing a book takes a long time, so <laughs> yeah. you know, it may be, um, it easily could be a year before this book surfaces, even though I'm working on it every day. Right. Well, hopefully we can do more of these chats as we yeah, go along. Yeah, we, can, we have. If, you, if this works, uh -huh. and we'll find out if it works. We'll find out. Um, there's lots of speculative topics like this. This is what we do here every day. All right. Well, if you want to hear more about it, then make sure and contact us. Leave a comment on our podcast or, or email me at matt.nementa.org. Even I'd be happy to hear your feedbacks. All right. Thanks, Jeff. That was fun, Matt. This has been a pleasure. Yeah. Bye.